God. Again, that's Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43. In God's word, it's written. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with them. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a, a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under the many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what, she, what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's home some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was, taking her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would, please join me in prayer. Oh, holy God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last Sunday after church, uh, it, it's kind of a long day for me. So I start very early in the morning when it's super dark outside and I have breakfast then. And then it's not till after church that I really eat again. So I'm, I'm usually particularly hungry on Sunday. So we went to Pose in Atlantic Beach to get one of their burgers. Now, if, if you haven't been to Pose, I think they have the best burgers here on the beach. Uh, don't fight me on it, though. Uh, but it, it, it's an excellent burger. And so 
my favorite there is the black cat. If you haven't had the black cat, so it's their bun with grilled onions, and then they also put pimento cheese on it, and they add chili on top of it, and bacon, right? And so you have all... Y'all are looking at me. Now y'all know how I got the way I am, right? <laughs> but it, it, it's, it, I mean, it's a good burger. But any one of those things on their own is, is fantastic, right? Like pimento cheese is a great meal by itself. Bacon, I mean, put, raise your hand if you like bacon, right? Like you're in church, you don't have to raise your hand. Everyone likes bacon, right? I get it, right? And, and then there's chili on there. That's a meal by itself. The burger is a meal by itself. And, and so all of those by themselves can be consumed and enjoyed on their own. Yet there's something that changes when you put all of them together and you take a bite of it together. The flavors mix and it becomes something different. And here in Mark's telling of Jesus's ministry, he puts together this sandwich of encounters with Jesus. We have the woman who's hemorrhaging in the middle between Jairus and his daughter in those encounters. And part of us goes, where are you going, Mark? I thought we were here and now you're here. And we try and listen with one ear, one story, and the other ear, another story. But Mark writes it in such a way that they are connected, that these stories together reveal a truth about our Savior. And that on their own, they can be enjoyed, but when we put them together, the flavors mix and we get a beautiful revelation of who Christ is. And so that's what I want to implore you and how we will enjoy this scripture today. And, and so uh, we're going to go through this. We're going to... Um, I'm going to take you through the scripture. I want, I want to show you the people's conditions as they come to Christ and his response and the miracles he performs. And then I want to display what, how it displays our own condition, how our own condition is laid within these stories and how Christ responds to that. And then I'm going to leave you today with an encouragement from Jesus himself as we go forward. And so as we enter this scripture today, we, we notice if we were here last week in the first half of chapter five, Jesus had just sailed across to the other side of the sea and, and he healed this maniac man who lived among the tombs that none of the world could, he, could heal or help. He was desperate. And Jesus sails all the way across the sea for the one man. And then the town rises and says, get out of here, Jesus. And so Jesus gets on his boat and comes back. And that's where we are with Jesus today. He has sailed across, lands back on the other side of the sea where he started when he left the great crowd. And it's as if they knew he was coming back. Because as soon as he let his footsteps off the boat, it says there was a great crowd gathered around him. Jesus, these, these crowds pop up around him. And, and so there he is on the shore with this great crowd around him. And there was in this crowd a ruler of the synagogue. Now, we understand this ruler, Jairus, is his name, which Mark doesn't give very many people names in Scripture, so when he does, it's important. We know that the person was important, that Jairus was, was the lead ruler of the synagogue. And so for us to kind of understand what that means, he would be like the lead elder of the church. He, he was there and, and, and running and overseeing all that went on. He was to be in charge, not Jesus. But Jairus, with his position in this time, it comes with other benefits. He had status. He had prestige. He had means and wealth about him to get all that he needed so that his family could be set up well off going forward. He was a wealthy man. 
And yet Jairus is part of this crowd, and he comes to the feet of Jesus and falls at his feet. Now, Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, was not known to be friendly to Jesus. There's earlier encounters in Mark that we know that the leaders of the synagogue and Jesus butted heads. That's part of this ministry and the story and the life of Jesus, of the butting of heads. But here is Jairus coming to Jesus in his desperation. He comes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus and and he comes to Jesus, but he wasn't a man devoted to following Jesus. He wasn't like one of the disciples. He came out of a need. He didn't show up to Christ because he loves Jesus so deeply in his heart, but he came to him out of a desperate need. It's not that he felt a sense of obligation to go serve Jesus is why he showed up. He came out of a desperate need within his life. He was desperate, and Jesus was the only glimmering of hope he had left. Falls at Jesus' feet, and Jesus agrees to go with him to go heal his daughter. And a great crowd goes with him, right? This crowd just bumbles about, and so what could have been a quicker trip, now all of a sudden there's all the people gathered around, which causes Jesus and Jairus' parade to move slower. And within that crowd, there was another desperate and needy person. An unknown woman with a hemorrhage for 12 years. And in verse 27, it tells us this, that she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. She comes up behind Jesus. She's not named. She wants to remain anonymous in this situation. She just wants to come and get a piece of Jesus without him knowing and go back to her life, hoping that she is healed. She believed that she could just touch. This woman, because of her hemorrhage for 12 years, she was unclean. She couldn't go and worship. She couldn't go and make the sacrifices to atone for her sin, which was believed to be the cause of her hemorrhaging was her sin. So she was unclean. She was unfit. She made other people unclean. She had spent all of her money she had. She was gone broke trying to be healed of her disease and nothing in the world worked. All the physicians ended up with her money and she ended up with nothing but being an outcast like a leper. She had no prestige, a complete outsider. Now, she came to Jesus, but she wanted help, not especially the healer himself. She just wanted help. She didn't want him. But she reaches out touches the garment, and she's healed. Jesus knows it, and he puts a stop to the parade. 
He said, this train is halting right here. Who touched my garments? And the disciples are incredulous, right? They're like playing the straight man in a comedy act. They're like, who touched you? Look around. We're surrounded by people pressing in on us. Everybody has touched you. Jesus knew it was different. This woman knew it was different, much like the disciples knew it was different when Jesus calmed the storm. And so she comes before him and Jesus and and tells all that Jesus had just done, why she came before him, and everybody hears, and then Jesus calls her daughter, and he tells her that it was her faith. It was her faith, not her touch, not her superstition, not her belief in a magical touch, but her faith that healed her. And just as this happens, Jairus gets word that his daughter, who's 12, now passed. Jesus, knowing what has transpired, turns to Jairus and he says, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. Remember, this is Jairus, leader of the synagogue, lead ruler of the synagogue, coming to Jesus, already humbling himself and falling at his feet when he was asking for healing for his daughter. And now Jesus is asking him to not be afraid and to not only believe in healing, but to believe in resurrection. So they continue the journey, go to his house. They go inside and there's mourners already there weeping and wailing because the daughter had passed. And Jesus says, what are you doing? She's not dead. She's merely sleeping. And they mocked him. They laughed at him. So he sends the mockers and the mourners out of the house, grabs mom and dad and Peter, James, and John, and go into the little girl's room. That scripture tells us, picks up her hand, cold hand, tenderly, gently calls her Talitha Kumai, little girl or little lamb. Rise. And what we see in this sandwich of stories that Mark creates for us is Jesus' demonstration of power over sin and death. He is the Son of God, and He has power over sin and death, and it also reveals His heart. He has mercy and compassion on Jairus and this woman who come and humble themselves before him. For the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And they humble themselves before him and he is tender and gentle with them. He doesn't cast Jairus aside, though having the run-ins with him in the past. That is of no mind of Jesus, but he is willing to go and heal his daughter for him. He is not upset that the woman touched his garment, but he is tender and gentle with her when he calls her daughter. Jesus reveals not only his power, but his tender, gentle, loving heart. And in both of these, both of these situations, we see that despair is the prelude to grace. And there's two 
desperate representatives of society, one wealthy, one poor, one alone, one with family, one who, has, who is accepted, and one who is an outcast. And Jesus welcomes all. Neither were turned away. Now we, like them, might come in our desperation. We might come on a wishful belief or some magical superstition, some last chance heave. But what we always come in is we come in our greatest need and Christ knows your heart. And when we come in our greatest need, Christ lovingly, and tenderly transforms us. He transforms us. It's okay to not be okay. And when we encounter Jesus, he transforms us. It's okay to not be okay and still come to church, but in a few moments, we will hold on to the bread and the cup at this communion table and remember that Christ has power over sin and death, that we are not to be afraid, but only to believe because he transforms us. That's why we celebrate that we are born again in Christ. See, this gospel account here it demonstrates that no matter who you are or where you are from, Jesus will be there for you. We often think, not me. Not me. We don't go running to Jesus' feet, and we aren't willing to humble ourselves. We aren't quite that desperate yet, or we think that our, our messed up life is too messed up for Jesus. So we won't go to Jesus. Oh, he can't possibly help us. That is utter rubbish. But the other is also true that I, you know, I'm not going to Jesus yet. We aren't quite desperate enough as Jairus and this woman were. We haven't reached that desperation so that grace can fall down upon us because we aren't desperate enough to go and fall at his feet and plead to the only hope in life and death. But I'll tell you this, when we do, he won't tell you it took long enough. He won't say, I've been waiting. He will lovingly and tenderly be gracious to you. Jesus will welcome you. He will stand you up and call you his daughter or son. Do not fear, only believe, believe in Jesus. So I encourage you. Don't be afraid of him. Yeah, he's powerful. He's got power over sin and death. And what he did on the cross and through his resurrection stands as a testament to just that and our salvation. It's why we put the cross everywhere we go. So we remember exactly who our Savior is. And that was our greatest need. But it is no excuse to stay distant from him. Come and fall at his feet. And let him tenderly transform your life. Amen.